Hey guys, welcome to Motherhood in Hollywood. This episode is sponsored by Bumby Box. Bumby Box is a better way to play. Now, people always ask me, what is Bumby Box? Well, it's a toy subscription service. That means each month you get a box of toys delivered right to your door that have been specially curated just for your child's interest and age level. Whatever your kids are into, they're going to love what's inside Bumby Box. But this is a different type of toy service. And I'll tell you why, because each toy is sustainable and eco-friendly. It has no harmful chemicals or plastics, which if you're a parent like me and is worried about that kind of thing, this is a great option for you. Definitely go to bumbybox.com and check it out. Make sure you enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout and you'll get 10% off. What a deal. Bumbybox.com is a better way to play. And I'm so happy to announce that Motherhood in Hollywood is also sponsored by Up4 Probiotics. Up4 has been manufacturing probiotic supplements and only probiotic supplements since 1979. That's a long time, you guys. So clearly they know what they're doing. Up4 features products for everybody in your family from infants to seniors, and they come in chewables, powder, and capsules. So you can take your probiotics however you like. And The best part is they're available at Target. That's right. Go right into your Target store in the vitamin section and take a look around. Look for up four. We use the kids cubes that you can find in the kids vitamin section and they worked wonders on Channing's digestive issues. So definitely check out the kids cubes and there's other products available in the probiotics, immunity support, and the essentials section. Super easy right there in your local Target. But if you don't have time to go to your local Target, you can also go to up4probiotics.com and order them online. Up4 Probiotics, creating a happier inside since 1979. Come on, Mama. Grab your popcorn and goobers. It's time for Motherhood in Hollywood with your host, Heather Brooker. This is a crude prude's perspective on being a full-time mom in showbiz. She's not a perfect mom, but she can play one on TV. Hold on to your butts. Here's Heather. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 50 of Motherhood in Hollywood. I'm Heather Brooker. Hi. How are you? So glad you're here. Um, I It's been a crazy week in like the best way possible. I always say crazy, but it's not like, oh my God, I can't stand my life. I want to die. Um, it's not, not quite that dramatic. It's just been long week because Channing has been on her summer break and it's been 12, 13 hour days straight with a three-year-old who is now refusing to nap. We're going, we're definitely dropping the nap. And it's, it's funny. Some moms will go, oh my God, you haven't dropped the nap yet. Well, no, because mama needs that break during the day. Uh, I don't know how old your kids are. I mean, if you are at the point where you're dropping naps yet, but I think we're at that point. So it just has been making for really long days and I'm finding it really hard to get anything done to focus. I've had a couple of like intermittent auditions and it's just, it's just been a lot. A lot, you know, but then I say in the best way possible, because of course there's nothing else in the world I'd rather be doing than, you know, being a stay at home actor mom. So love it. Complaining, but not really complaining. You feel me? Um, so on the show today we have, this is really cool. So this is a very actor centric 
episode in that, especially for my parent actors out there and uh, anybody who's thinking about taking classes. My friend Tony Rago from the Scott Sedita Acting Studio is coming on the show today. He teaches the character sitcom classes at Scott Sedita Studios and also co-teaches the One Day Comedy Intensive and the teen comedy classes there. So here's the deal. I used to do improv and sketch comedy with Tony a million years ago. And now he's teaching um, what comedy is all about for Scott Sedita, a very prominent acting school here. If you don't know about it, go to, go check it out. Um, I'd like to assume that I taught Tony everything he knows <laughs> about comedy. And I'm only saying that because he's not here right now. <laughs> if he was, he would just be like, get over yourself. Um, but anyway, we, we talk a lot about um, his transition from doing sketch comedy four or five nights a week. And now he's teaching um, comedy and sitcoms type of comedy, which is a, which is a specific kind of comedy for those of you who take classes and know the difference. It's a specific kind of comedy as opposed to sketch and improv and all that. So we talk about that a little bit. He's also a new dad. He is a six month old named Riley. And he talks about how he and his wife, who's also an actress, how they're juggling their careers in Hollywood and trying to figure everything out as they go along. Like honestly, a lot of us are, I'm still figuring it out. I'm very frustrated lately with, you know, I'm in that rut that I know a lot of actors feel where you haven't booked anything in a while. You're starting to feel like you're going to get the call any minute from your agent and manager and tell you you're out. Um, It's a weird feeling. It's a very weird, stressful feeling. So I don't know. It'll happen. It is what it is, right? We're here for the long haul, the marathon, not the sprint. Okay, so really quick, I want to say hello and welcome to a couple of new followers over on Twitter. I want to say hi to, wait, where'd she go? Chelsea Hernandez at Panda Bear Films. Thank you so much for following. And at Noticeably Bacon, what an awesome screen handle that is. Noticeably Bacon. And also Nick Hoff, hi, thank you. And this is probably also the best and worst. Um, fucking trash. Oh, a fucking, f- wait fucking trash bag that's what it is it's at fucking trash bag oh my god you guys i get only like the top tier followers on motherhood in hollywood if you're not following me go to mih podcast to get just the cream of the crop the best of the best funny, ridiculous tweets that I send out. Um, also check out my new podcast, uh, called booze and phasers. If you listen to last week's episode, you heard me talk a little bit about it with, um, Audrey Kearns. It's uh, also co-hosted by my friend Claudia Dolph and we just have fun. We get drunk and we talk about Star Trek. It's literally just the most ridiculous, amazing show. So go and check that out as well. And find me on Facebook if you get a chance. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. All right. That's it for me from now. Um, here is my interview with acting teacher. Very funny guy. I uh, love him so much. It's Tony Rago. You can hear me? Yes. Oh, I'm just sick about it. Like I'm. I know. I know. Because you're you're very much a professional. So I I'm know. a pro. Like, yeah. like I'm basically a huge star. Uh, in the podcasting community. <laughs> so when something like this happens, yeah. I I'm I want to jump off a bridge. Uh, so thank you for coming back in. Yeah, it's a Tony pleasure to Rago. see you. I'm trying to decide if I want to redo our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> we should just, 
um, let those go off into the ether like I, so many writers and comedians have to do. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, so I'm here today again with my friend, Tony Rago. He is an acting coach at Scott Sadid Acting Studios. He's also a new dad and uh, a former improv and sketch comedy uh, buddy, partner, yeah. friend, com- All of those. compatriot. Is compatriot Comrade. a word? Yeah. Don't just make up a compatriot. word? Compatriot. It wouldn't surprise me. So here's the deal. Um, this is the second time <laughs> that I've interviewed Tony in 24 hours because GarageBand ate my interview with Tony, but it only ate Tony's part yeah. of the interview. I'm tasty. <laughs> it was tasty. <laughs> it was like, this is too good to share. I'm going to delete it. So I have uh, spent a long 24 hours or well 12 hours actually like ripping my hair out and going, what the fuck am I going to do? And luckily Tony was gracious enough to come back over and just repeat everything. Yeah. After a short refractory period, <laughs> I am back up to do it again. I'm mortified, like <laughs> mortified because this has never happened in 50 episodes of this GD podcast. This has never happened. So I'm revolutionary. You really are. You're yeah. a game changer. Yeah. No, um, I'm the vanguard of mistakes. <laughs> embarrassing but you're so gracious it was funny because i pulled up your message on my phone and it just showed the first bit which was hey (laughs) friend and i was like "Uh uh-oh that's not (laughs) so hi buddy listen uh yeah so and we still to this day i have no idea what happened to it the um apple support people couldn't even figure it out like who knows where it went yeah it just ate it if if it happens again, we're just gonna. I think the Chinese have it. We're I just. Think gonna... <laughs> the Chinese are listening to it. That's probably true. I am constantly paranoid about. We have an Xbox um, that's got the connect with the video camera, and I'm constantly paranoid. Yes. Do you know what I mean? And I told Chris all the time. I'm like, if you see that light pop on, yes, at any time, and we're not actually playing the game, yeah, call the police. Yeah, I mean, if you think it's bad, the dog watching you when you have sex. Imagine <laughs> the Xbox. Yeah. She did used to do that. We had to kick her out. It was super <laughs> awkward. It was real awkward. Now we just let our daughter do it. Yeah. Ew, inappropriate. And Channing's there. Oh, yeah. Wait, that is my daughter. I said dog. Oh, but I know. I said now we just let our daughter do oh, it. Oh, now you let your daughter. I thought you said <laughs> now you let our dog. Great. Now the jokes are going to be just falling flat. We are. This is going to be oh, hell. Jesus. All right. So let's get You're into You're going to lose viewers with this one. Viewers. I'm going to lose. <laughs> Nobody watch anymore. <laughs> Nobody watch. Just listen. Okay. All let's right. talk about it. All right. So let's talk about, uh, first of all, how we know each other. Because yeah. we did used to do Acme Comedy Theater together. Right. A million years ago. And um, you, though, don't do Acme anymore. You're now teaching. Correct. Yes. Do you miss doing the sketch comedy? Do you miss... Were you in the improv side at all? I was. Um, I feel... Maybe I blocked that out. No, no. That's where I started was improv. And I really didn't think I could do sketch. I, in fact, remember... When I first saw you, because it was your first scandal improv show. Oh, that you were playing X-ray the drummer. Uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. You were playing the drummer. The Tabitha Volts. Yes, mm-hmm. and you had a Pixies T-shirt yes. on. Pixies is my favorite band. Really? And I immediately was like, "Oh, I'm gonna like this person." And then you started to act, and I <laughs> and you were like, doubted. No, no. Uh, no. Then you were fantastic. That was a great character. You know what's funny is out of all the characters I played at Acme, besides the one that I won the Acme the Acme Award for, uh, my little Frenchie lady, um, Tabitha <laughs> Volts uh, was the one people remember the most yeah. because she was just like this badass character. Mm-hmm. But you know what's funny? Um, 
I don't know anything about the Pixies. I didn't know anything yeah. about punk rock, nothing. And I would, every night before show, I would ask Chris, who's like an expert on all that. I'd be like, all right, give me some names of bands that people will know. And I'll never forget we're in the middle of a show. And I think like Matt Key or somebody in the show made a reference to one of the bands. And I was like, yeah, it's the, oh, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be this expert yeah. on like all things like punk rock from the 80s or whatever. And I was like, it's the band with the banana on the cover of their album. <laughs> oh, no. And Chris was in the audience. I could just see him going, oh, God, stop. Make it stop. He was dying. And then he's like, I think it was the Dandy Warhols or maybe yeah. it was the Pixies. I don't know. No, the Dandy Warhols have the, the banana. Yeah. yeah. So he was dying. He was like, I seriously, you got to stop doing characters that you don't know anything about. But. Well, if that was the case, <laughs> then I'd be done. <laughs> it would have been done years ago. And I'm out. And um, here's another Oklahoma girl, yeah, Heather Brooker character. Heather Brooker um, character. Yeah, no, I joined the sketch um, mm-hmm. because everyone was like, oh, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And I had done, <clears throat> what, two years of improv and was like looking for something a little new. Yeah, new challenge. Yeah. And uh, it, it just happened to be that the group, I remember. Um, Travis Oates, who uh, ran Acme at the time, said, um, you know, we only have like a couple of spots available for people, um, mm-hmm. so you're going to have to be the top of your class. Do you think that that was all kind of BS? I mean, honestly. I don't at the time, actually. You know, I thought, oh, it, it can be more than a couple of spots. Yeah, you know, we yeah, can negotiate yeah. it. Um, but I knew that it probably wouldn't be all of us. Um, but then in watching our particular class, which was like a really great group mm-hmm. come together they created a new company. I think because they created a new company, right. it was not BS. Right. The Charlie company. Yeah. And that's when we were in together. Yes. And that that's where we did the breast milkshake video. Yes. For Carl's Jr. That's right. Which is uh, a sketch that I will never forget. It's one of my favorites that I've ever done. My favorite videos that I've ever done. It's where we kind of did a play back on the day of Carl's Jr. Where... Um, Kevin, this guy, Kevin, who was in the company with us and my friend Brandy, who I've talked about a thousand times on the show and Tony were all in it. And they were basically like shaking our boobs. Mm-hmm. This was pre kids. So, you know, it was like maybe not as distasteful as I think it would. Maybe <laughs> if I try to do it now, I would be like, that's terrible. But back then <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. So they're basically shaking our boobs around um, doing a breast milk shake. Yeah. And um, I'll put to that the, song whatever. to that show. Sh- uh, shake that thing. And uh, Tony uh, 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 was the one who luckily got to grab my boobs yeah. and shake them all around. Um, which was, which was just, it was a moment. It, it was, was I, I think we shared something. <laughs> I, I really do. We shared something. <laughs> it was definitely a moment. And it's, uh, <clears throat> I said this in the, in the lost tapes, but, um, I really do. Now that I have a kid and whenever my wife breastfeeds, I constantly think of that. Think of that. The jiggling. I really do. The jiggling and the song comes to me. You know, the... Carl's Jr. actually um, had it removed from YouTube. It, no. Uh, yeah. At one point, it had 50,000. Yeah, it was popular. It had 50,000 views, and they had it removed for copyright infringement Ugh. because of the song. Uh, and also probably because, 
I don't know if we actually directly used. Oh, fuck. I'm a mess right now. I don't know if we actually directly used their logo, but I think we used a version of it. Maybe. Um, but we, yeah, they had it pulled from YouTube and it had something like 50,000 hits. And then it's still up on Funny or Die, though. So I'll put that link up on my website. Carl so Jr. has no power at Funny or Die. Do you think? I don't know. Or no, I was going to say, I I'm sure they, they probably have don't even realize it exists. No, because it's only got like a couple thousand views there. Yeah. And it's been up there now for eight or nine years. A long time. Yeah. yeah. Long time, <laughs> really long time. So I don't think if they're gonna remove it, I think they would have done that by now. I don't think they're worried about it. But when it started to gain momentum on YouTube, yeah. I think they were like, "Hey, wait a minute! Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's infringing on our brand." Um, I'm available for advertising if Carl's Jr. is available. She'll eat one of those big thick I'll burgers. Eat one of those big thick burgers in a real sexy way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be in the bathing suit. You can eat the burger. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so how long did you do sketch for then before you decided that you were mm. like, mm, you, cause you transitioned into writing web series and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Um, I did sketch and improv combined, um, throughout my whole run. So from like 2006 to th- 2011, mm-hmm. um, w- once I started the sketch, uh, so I did the both. And then in 2011 we were doing the show, uh, Acme Saturday night. <clears throat> and um, which was like, uh, you know, celebrities and really trying to do a multi-camera live taped show on the Internet. I was not a fan of that, by the way. I, w- <laughs> I was not a fan. Yeah. I just kept thinking, like, we're all trying to be celebrities, if you will. Right. We're all working our butts off every week trying to get to that C-level status that some of these guest stars are in. Right. Why are we bringing in other people? And and I see the reasoning behind it is you want them to bring their audience. Now yeah. that I'm so into social media and stuff, I get it. I see that you want people who are yeah. – have a big social media following and a fan base to give these great other performers it. some attention. Right. But. I get it now, but at the time I was like, I'm a star because yeah. I had more credits, if you will, than some of the some people of them, we were bringing yeah. in. And I was like, what the, and it was just my own arrogance really. Sure. It well, I can understand that. that. <laughs> but the problem with it is also is because <clears throat> when you write sketch, it's usually based around one large sort of fun character and everyone else kind of plays the straight man, which a lot of comedians think of as the boring roles. Right. And so, it took the fun out of individual performers having to try and give the fun character to the celebrity. Why do you think people think the straight man is the boring role? Because some it's the straight man that is what's making people laugh. And this is something I have to say in my class because I teach. The class I teach is sitcom. I constantly have to tell people that comedy is a dance. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's dancing with two people and the... And the one character who is the big character gets to say the outrageous lines, and that's automatically going to generate a laugh. The other person has to, it's like the Ginger Rogers of the mm-hmm. Stare and Rogers, you know, has to dance backwards and in heels. Um, they have to do all the setup. They have to do all the acting. And then they have to help build this thing and then pretend they had no idea it was going to happen. Right. Um, and they can get the laugh. If their reactions are authentic. it's Yeah, it's that reaction, that straight-laced yeah. reaction that also gets you laugh because that is the person that we, the audience, are, are relating I, to. Yes. We get that, and that that's our perspective because not everybody is the crazy, wacky character. So I think maybe they do see it as the boring role, but I really see it as the challenging role. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I'm always trying to sing the praises of the straight man. So when you're writing for sing the praises of the straight man, whoa. Half your audience just you. tuned out. Right. <laughs> they probably did. <laughs> um, so when you were writing sketch, then is that sort of when you got inspired to kind of write your own things, your own web series, your own short? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think I do better as sort of the straight man. 
Mm-hmm. And so really, <laughs> are, you, are you sure? So I was bored by my own sketches. Um, <clears throat> I just can't write big characters. But in um, in doing the web series, I it was more about the absurd plot and to just have some you know a couple of characters go through that. So for you, it was more about situational comedy. Yes, yeah, yeah. which is which makes sitcom. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's exactly right. Yeah, um, and. Uh, even all my sketches had just sort of like odd ideas, mm-hmm. you know, like <clears throat> I did the homeless guy who took credit cards. I did the, you know, which even though that's somewhat of a big character, it, it's really about the idea and the absurd idea. And so the situation is what makes for it. The character wasn't really that big uh, <laughs> and my skills are limited. Um, so, yeah, I and I had done a uh, web series at that time uh, in like 2008, 2009 called There Will Be Brawl. Mm-hmm. which was fantastic. And uh, Matt Key, who you just mentioned earlier, was the star of that. Yeah, um, I remember that. Yeah, and uh, it was a film noir set in the world of the Nintendo uh, game characters. Matt was Luigi. It filmed at our house. It did, yes. Yeah. That's right. It filmed at our house one of the episodes. Yes, that's right. And just made a fucking mess. Yeah, that, yeah it was... Uh, we were like, I mean, there was like smashing of guts or something at one point, And I was like, what's happening? I know. And it then, was brutal. It was brutal. And somebody spilled something on our kitchen floor that uh, even when we moved away, we couldn't get up. We were like, we have no idea what happened here. Oh, oh. It was weird. I mean, we weren't like bad about it, right. but it was just weird. It was like a sticky substance. Anyway, go go on. <laughs> Let's not pursue that further. <laughs> um, yeah. It, <clears throat> involved with that, I played uh, Link from the Zelda series. I was the police chief. Mm-hmm. I... Um, I really saw how fascinating it was how you could get your own equipment and make your own stories in like the beginning of the sort of Wild West democratic, you know, DIY, mm-hmm. um, DIY uh, sort of form of filmmaking. And I thought, I want to do this. So that's what I did. I got together with um, my buddy Kirk Diedrich and we made a mob web series comedy uh our basis was what if abbott and costello were in the sopranos mm-hmm. um and it was called whacked and uh, it was fantastic we just took all the basic tropes and conventions of mob movies and tv and tried to put a funny spin on it and had a blast doing it mm-hmm. um but it was um <clears throat> to keep it sort of in that mob cinematic feel it was a little production heavy and sure. pricey and difficult so uh we couldn't sustain that. Um, and so then we, uh, although we won awards for it, we were getting a great audience. Um, we just couldn't sustain the production. So then I switched to a different web series called Dog Park, which was a much more lean, simpler Simple. way to film. And I think that's what almost has to be yeah. now because there are so many web series and web ideas and stuff like that that are going around that are simple. They're just two people talking. They're just, you know, uh, maybe one camera, maybe two cameras if it's a, you know, fancier mm-hmm. shoot. But people are cutting it down to simple and they're focusing on dialogue and stories. Yeah. Um, that's a trend that I see happening with like web series and whatnot. Not to say you can't have heavy production value. I just right. watched this web series the other day called Namaste Bitches, <laughs> which made me laugh. It's really skewers the L.A. yoga scene. Mm-hmm. Um, this New York yoga girl comes into L.A. and it's like just every yoga stereotype and it's pretty funny. So but it's done really well and like actually had a crew behind it and all that. So I think, you know, 
it's such a wild west yeah. for online content, don't you think? I absolutely do. And I would love to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is sort of the thing where there is, a, you know, there used to be an old joke in Hollywood that every actor had a screenplay and, mm-hmm. you know, and that they were like, hey, you want to see my screenplay? My you want to read my screenplay? Yeah, yeah. Now it is every actor has a web series. Totally. Um, and, and it really is like that. There is um, a overload of web series. It's also due every actor has a podcast. I just want to throw <laughs> that out there. I just want to add that to the mix. Oh, check out my podcast. Right. I have two. I have two podcasts now. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. A year ago, I had none. More podcasts than kids. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, they're easier to birth. They are. They um, are. And they get as much attention. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that is kind of the way things have to be nowadays to be an actor. It is, um, you know, the old method to stardom. I was talking about this and we sort of mm-hmm. debated it was you would sort of start out doing commercials and then you get co-stars, which are the small un- sort of forgettable roles in sitcoms or television shows. And move to guest stars, move to series regular, into like films. There was like a hierarchy. There was a, a, a ladder, path. a chain, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not really like that anymore. Now it's, you got to kind of create your own content, get a bunch of viewers or listeners. Or listeners. And, mm-hmm. um, and then people will start to take notice and then you skip some of the bottom steps. Here's what I want to know. Who are these people, if you will? <laughs> are we talking about we want middle America to um, go, wow, this this whacked web series is hilarious and start watching it and sharing it with their friends? Do we want industry to go, this is great? Because I feel like I feel like I'm so ingrained sometimes in the actor world that actors are constantly pitching themselves to other actors. Yeah. Watch my stuff. Come see my show. Watch yeah. me do stand up. Listen to my podcast. That it's hard to get fresh ears and fresh fans, if you will, for, yeah. you know, for lack of a better word. And it just seems insurmountable. So it's like, do I go and just do a stupid vine video and like hope that somebody sees it? Well, I think, I, uh, I think what the industry would love is if middle America was your fan base. Sure. Um, because everyone, even networks don't know how to reach, you know, the Massive. non-industry, yeah. you know, and, um, and, you know, in the old days, if you had 10 million viewers for your TV show, you were considered a flop. And nowadays, if you have 3 million... Uh, you're a hit. You're a hit. Yeah. So, it's crazy. You know, it is that sort of thing. Um, but I got a funny feeling it's more... If you can get a few key influential sort of industry, industry insiders yeah. to be in your to, followers. For your fans yeah. who like you. Now, what are you seeing happen? You're talking about networks, and I know you are, um, since you teach at Scott Sedita, yeah. and you uh, you talk a lot about sitcom acting and stuff like that, what do you think is happening right now with the sitcom as we know it? Because it's not yeah. the sitcoms that we grew up on. It's not that no. kind of comedy anymore. But, I mean, I say that knowing that shows like Mom yeah. and um, uh, what's the nerd show? Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory, yeah. Which is the number one. Yeah. Number one. Those are classic yeah. multicam comedies that are doing gangbusters. Yeah, yeah. And that's Chuck Lorre. So uh, it's yeah. a little bit because of that. Um, but, you know, it's been interesting. Everyone sort of talked about this dry period that the sitcom kind of went through. Mm-hmm. But if you even remember back in the early 80s, they said the sitcom was dead. And then along came Cheers and oh, Family Ties yeah. and The Cosby Show, yeah. which, mm-hmm. you know, at the time was wonderful. Now uh, is like, yikes. Um, but... I think sitcoms are going to come back. 
whether or not how it will look. Do you think like multicam sitcoms? I do. Because I can't. It's so hard for me to watch multicam. To watch. Yeah, I know. But. And it's not that I think they're bad because I actually will watch. I will watch the fuck out of Frasier. <laughs> yes. I, there's something about Frasier that anytime it's on, I'm like, hey, baby, I'm a watch that like yeah. crazy. There's a few sitcoms like that that I watch, but um, I can't. I can't. Ooh, Chuck Lorre's never gonna come on my show. I know he's not listening. I just can't get behind. I never yeah. watch Two and a Half Men. Yeah. I don't watch Big Bang Theory, and it's crazy because I'm a comedic actress. So you would think that's my well, bag. Part of that is again you talking about being insulated in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, <clears throat> I think those multicam uh, sitcoms still work very well for people who are not in the industry. We in the industry, though, we are always trying to find what's new and different and edgy and right. sort of push the envelope. And really, the multicam sitcom is comfort food, you know? Yeah. And so it it's not designed to kind of push the envelope. Though, I will say there are some right now, currently, that are kind of pushing the envelope. For example, the Carmichael show on NBC is uh, sort of revisiting like the old it? 70s Norman Lear kind of edgy totally issue. Is. Even from the opening, the way he's just walking through all the rooms into different scenes and stuff like that, from the opening, you could tell it has that very vintage feel. Yeah. And I wonder if, it, I'm sure that was a uh, on purpose from NBC to do that. I don't think the show is very good. <laughs> I think that it's a little flat. Maybe I'm not their demographic or their audience, but it's just not that funny yeah. to me. It. It's, it's doing supremely well. popular. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I see. Think, I thought you were gonna say yeah. shows like Aziz Ansari's show, Master of None. Well, because that's, that's not, a comedy. Yeah, right? but it's not a multi camp. No, that's yeah. a single camp, and yeah. I love that show. Yeah. Um, on Netflix, uh, and it's also something very different. Uh, and what I love about that show is a lot of comedy lately has been very cynical. Yeah. Um, like you know, Louis C.K.'s show. Louis C.K. Even with Seinfeld and Will and Grace. Those were people for awful people, you know what I mean? And they would sort of attack each other. You think like it's always sunny in Philadelphia, you know? These are awful people. We love them and we laugh at them and it's fun, but they're really society-wise awful people. Mm -hmm. Um, Master of None is sort of bringing about a positivity and an optimism that um, is unique. A realism. In a way. In a way. I mean, I I know it's not his Girls has a realism. Yeah. But also has sort of still that cynicism. Yeah. Um, th- I think it's the positivity of Master of the Nun that's really... And Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has yeah. that same positivity. Oh my God, that's oozing with positivity. That's, that's almost too much. It's yeah. Al- <laughs> people, I know, people are loving that show. And I'm... I, ugh, people are going to... I'm going to get emails. But mm. I'm one of the few that doesn't. I don't... I'm just... I can't... I was like, this is too much. Her character... And I watched the first like five or six episodes. So I... You know, and maybe I'm not in a great position to judge at all. But it was just too over the top. Mm -hmm. There was no conflict and there was no mm-hmm. like I don't know I just it didn't resonate with me I mean I need to revisit it because everybody loves it so much uh, and I want to give it another chance but it just wasn't it didn't resonate I think that's me. also the difficulty of comedy I love talking about comedy and breaking it down but before we continue doing that, we have to take a minute and talk about our sponsors. That's right. Bumbybox. Bumbybox.com is where you want to go to find out more about how you can get toys delivered to your door every month. And the great thing about the toys inside the Bumby Box is that they're all fully sustainable, eco-friendly. There's no harmful chemicals or plastic in any of the toys. And they've been specially curated for your child's age and interest levels. So 
inside every Bumby box is a way for you to create new memories with your child and do it in a safe and chemical free way. Go to BumbyBox.com now to find out how you can get Bumby Box delivered to your door and enter the code M-I-H-O-O-D at checkout. That's M-I-H-O-O-D and you'll get 10% off your order. What a deal. Go to BumbyBox.com right now and find out why Bumby Box is a better way to play. Motherhood in Hollywood is also sponsored by Up4 Probiotics. Now, you may be asking, what is a probiotic? Well, everybody has probiotics inside of it. They're good, healthy bacteria in your intestinal tract. Well, Up4 Probiotics help support and strengthen those probiotics. Up4 has been manufacturing probiotic supplements since 1979, you guys. That's a long time, so they know what they're doing. They've had over 40 years of clinical research on all of their probiotics, and they only use robust acid and bile resistant strains. So if you're a fan of probiotics or you're interested in trying probiotics for yourself, now's the time to do it. Go to upforprobiotics.com or you can check out Up4 in your local Target store. That's where they offer kids cubes in the kids vitamin section and they have probiotics in the immunity support and essential section at Target. We've used the kids cubes ourselves here and they've truly been a huge help to Channing and some of the digestive issues that she's having. So I can't speak highly enough about the Up4 kids cubes. Go and check those out at your local Target or go to upforprobiotics.com. Up4 Probiotics, creating a healthier inside since 1979. Everyone has their own sort of taste when it comes to comedy. Sure. You put on a procedural, right? And everyone will sort of go, okay, uh, you know, this is how it goes. Yeah. Even if you don't like the cops, you, you're not, you, it doesn't make you not a fan of the show. You know what I mean? You, yeah. You, you sort of watch before the mystery. That's why those yeah. shows do so well, well and have been across on forever. Yeah, across any demographic. With comedy, you're very much either I love it or I hate it. Yeah. And so in a way, comedy's trying to figure out how to work with smaller numbers because that's what you're going to get. Um, and everyone has an opinion, which is good, but every opinion is sort of subjective towards that brand of comedy. Yeah. I myself, it's so funny, you know, people always ask me, as the sitcom teacher, what are your favorite sitcoms? And I, and you know, I, I find a lot of the regular sort of sitcoms boring a bit, mm-hmm. but because I'm, you know, in the, uh, you know, I, I know how the sausage yeah. is made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm looking for something different or exciting. It's hard when you're inside and also when you're an actor. Like, it's hard to also be a fan. Yeah. Because you can't really separate yourself because you're looking at it like, oh, I see how they set up that joke. Or, the other you know. thing. Yeah, that is very much so. And I and I always tell my students it's hard this. to surprise. Yes, at, uh, that's what it is. Like a multi-camera comedy. The way the comedy works is the musicality of the jokes, which sort of tickles your sort of lizard brain, the primal mm-hmm. kind of part of your brain that goes, Haha, you know, with shock or with some sort of type of, you know, mm-hmm. setting a pattern and then changing it. And. So when people watch sitcoms, it's not a, oh my God, this is wonderful, so witty, so funny. You know, it's more of a, <laughs> they sit there silently and then all of a sudden they go, <laughs> what? 
why did I, you know? Um, I and, love the slow burn laugh, like the ones yeah. that take me a minute that are where I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> and you know, uh, Bob's Burgers does that to me. Bob's uh-huh. Burgers is that show that does that for me, where they have a, the smarter, I guess you would call it smarter. Sure. Even yeah. though it, they joke a lot about farts. Well, anyone can do sort of lowbrow in a highbrow way, you know? Yeah. Uh, like Veep is one of my favorite shows. I gotta watch Veep. Everybody I love keeps that show. And it's, it's so, so funny. fast. It's so verbal. It's so witty. Um, it is the one show where you're just sort of going, I can't believe they use the words in that sort of way, you know? Yeah. Um, but, you know, with, with that sort of musicality, um, I, I, I always tell my students in watching a sitcom, I think when we sit down to watch it, we sort of sit down with a, okay, I dare you to make me laugh sort of mentality. Sure. And you're never going to laugh in that yeah. form. A sitcom really works best when it's in syndication, which is terrible um, because they have to go through five years to get to syndication. But when you have it out in the background, you'll suddenly start laughing at it and go, what is this show? And how? I never knew it was so funny. Why didn't I give right, it a chance? Right. That's how I honestly rediscovered Everybody Loves Raymond. Yes. Because I didn't watch it when it was first on. Um, but I've watched it in reruns since and I'm like, this is a really funny show. Yeah. Um, also to go way, way back, Golden Girls mm-hmm. is a comedy that I could watch over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, I clearly I'm a hundred years old. I watch Golden Girls and Frasier. <laughs> Frasier. <laughs> Golden Girls and Frasier, whenever it's on. I love TV land. Um <laughs> Uh, so when you're talking about sitcoms and stuff, I want to talk because I have a lot of actors that listen to the show. I want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about what you teach in your class yeah. because Scott Sedita, he created the eight characters of comedy. Yes. Talk that, a little bit a about, yeah. yeah, it's a book. Talk a little bit about what that is, what those are, yeah. and then, um, how you, you know, in your class, like how's it applied? What I, um, what Scott did is he was teaching drama. And then um, at the end of the night of class of all this dramatic material, he wanted to give people a little dessert, what he calls a quick bit. It's a short little scene. And he made him comedies so that it would kind of leave you on a, on a different flavor and on a fun little uh, side note. And in the process, realized that not every student could play any role, that it was really kind of uh, your essence had a fit with a, um, with a certain <laughs> character. Mm-hmm. So he realized the different essences in sitcoms and... He, like I, has um, a major love for sitcoms, can reference all of the sitcoms back to the beginning. And so um, he compiled this, you know, sort of um, Hulk sense of knowledge, Hulk being the stupidest (laughs) character, no, uh, but this brainiac sense of knowledge on sitcom and put together this book that talks about the technique. He, He was also a writer, so he understands the writer's sort of idea on how to thread jokes in and sitcoms is uh, people fight over the wordage I, I always say it's written like poetry very specific rhythm mm-hmm. very choice you know very uh, belaboring of word choice um and it's performed like music so he put together this technique portion of it of the book and then also put together these characters which i absolutely love and they make such sense too like yeah. if you've ever read the book or if you if you when you read the book if you're an actor or performer, even if you're for writers, I think it's super oh, helpful. Oh, yeah. It's the it's, first group that it took off with was the really? writers. Because yeah. it's kind of like, oh, yeah. yeah. Here's, um, uh, and you can go over what they are briefly, mm-hmm. and then I have another, I have a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. Continue. So the eight, <laughs> there's the logical smart one, which is what we were talking about, kind of the straight man. Um, going back in the day, it was like the Ricky Ricardo of, uh, I love Lucy. It's all the housewives. Now Deborah Barone on everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the lovable loser. Mm. 
which was, the, you know, the template for that is Lucy um, or Ralph Cramden, that type of thing from uh, Honeymooners. Um, it's Ray. It's uh, Chandler on Friends. Uh, you know, um, really a ton of lovable losers. You have the neurotic, which is Frasier or Monica. Um, the great Silicon Valley guys are even creating a new kind of neurotic. Neurotic, yeah. Um, you have the dumb one. Joey was a great dumb one and Matt LeBlanc himself uh, did with friends the multi-camera dumb one and with episodes on Showtime the single camera dumb one and it's a great sort of study in that character. You know I need to watch episodes too I've heard that's really good. Yeah it is. It's over now right? I I think if it's not over they got like a last film season that's going to air but yeah. Um, After those initial four you have the bitch bastard Mm-hmm. That's the character I play. Um, that's like your Archie Bunker, or yeah. um, as I was saying yesterday, one of my favorite is Benson from Soap. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Robert Guillaume. You have the um, materialistic, uh, which breaks into t- kind of two characters: the materialistic bitch bastard, sort of like a Paris Hilton, mm-hmm. or um, uh, sort of, <laughs> <laughs> um, or the materialistic prince princess. Uh-huh. Um, and then you have the womanizer, manizer. Manizer yeah. is a word that Scott sort of created. Um, womanizer, womanizer. And, that's what I think of. Womanizer, yes. <laughs> womanizer. Everyone used to do that. Uh, and then the other, the final character is the in your own universe, mm-hmm. which is what you are, Heather right? Brooker. Right. Um, those are the degenerates, the perverts. No. Oh, the, uh, awkward. <laughs> Get the, out. They're the kind of crazy characters. Kramer. Yeah. Uh, Phoebe, you know, or the... The foreign characters, Borat is a great in your own oh, universe. Totally. To uh, the extreme. Michael Scott from The Office is a great in your own universe. See, and when I first took Scott's class and I realized, and when everybody kind of said, this is what you are, I was like, oh, it was like a light bulb went off. Like, that makes sense to me and why I get a script. And to me, it means something else. Or I interpret it in a different way than most other people do. Um, and try to find a funny in a different way Yeah, because I, I, I'm just sort of looking at things differently, which is not a bad thing. No, it's just that it, you know, I also feel like I could play more of the straight man too. I can also play that pretty well. I I feel like anybody could play a little bit of all of those. When I talk to people when they're first joining up, uh, in class, I say, when you read the characters, you're going to identify with with all all eight of them to a degree. Um, and, but, but really some of your core essence or core characteristics that come out that are always ever present, like your skewed point of view that Mm -hmm. you were just mentioning, um, those are almost always there. And, and those line up with generally one or two characters. Now here's the problem that I have is when I get my two line co-star audition, (laughs) I try to, you can't cram in all of the no. training and all of the thoughts and goals and processes and all that that you want right. to do. And I know there's a lot of out- actors out there who also try to do that, and it's really frustrating. You have to you have to know what your place is in the script. Um, I often tell my students, you know, every actor approaches a script by knowing what their character is, and so they get lost in sort of their portion of it, you know, and they don't read it objectively. You know, I think what you need to do when approaching a script is like a jigsaw puzzle. You want to sort of look at the box top and go, okay, this is the final picture that we're going to try and create. Mm -hmm. And I'm just one sort of odd shaped piece of it. Yeah. Um, But what we as actors do is we initially look at that one odd shaped sort of thing and decide I can fit more into this and, and change the shape. Yeah. We can't change the shape. Otherwise we don't fit into the picture. We got to kind of see what the the big picture is and just serve our part of it. 
So in those two line co-stars, mm -hmm. they're really mostly logical, smart characters yeah. because they're just there to either give some information to help the protagonist mm -hmm. move on or... If they are a different characters, it's because they're the conflict for the protagonist. So they might be a bitch bastard. Yeah. They might be a dumb one. They're they're hindering the, the path. I think it's really hard, though, because we as actors want to um, show what we can do. Yeah. We want to be like, look, I can look what I'm putting yeah. to the table. There's a need you have as an actor when you walk in an audition to want to show the casting directors that you can do more. And this is what I say to actors about that is... You know, with comedy, especially even when you're playing the bigger roles, not just the small two-line mm -hmm. roles, you have a certain rhythm that you have to hit. The comedy is really sort of um, limiting in terms of it must sound like this. The song goes like this. Mm -hmm. Everyone sings happy birthday the same way. Right. Um, and so actors will come to me and say, well, it, you know, 400 actors are auditioning for this. How do I stand out? Right. Yeah. And their idea to stand out is to change the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, is to you know sort of buck against the conformity. That's not the way to stand out. The the way to stand out is much simpler and much harder. The way it is is to realize that you are enough, that you are unique. You're not special <laughs> because that is sort of to say that your own thing is better than everyone else's. Everyone who's coming into that audition is unique, mm -hmm. but your uniqueness will align with the character in a way will align with the producers or writers or directors envision of that. Or sometimes it'll make them think of something new and take them away from their pre-thought. Yeah. Honestly, I think that statement right there is what a lot, a lot of actors hold on to is the idea that, Oh, if they see that little spark in my eye or they, or they see the way I pull mm -hmm. my hair back or that I'm wearing glasses and, you know, um, that uh, it, they'll go, oh, this is fantastic. And they'll give me more lines or mm -hmm. they'll write a bigger part for me or whatever. There's that little glimmer of hope that I think a lot of actors have. And that does happen. Yeah. It is sort of the uh, Hollywood and Vine drugstore moment, you know, yeah, where yeah, you're yeah. discovered by some producer. Look at lovely lady. I'm going to make you a star. I know you're going to be it. <laughs> I have, um, there is an acting teacher who I will not name. Uh, there's a few in town that do this sort of thing. And I don't know if you guys do this or not, but they say that you should hold your glasses in your hand, even if you don't wear glasses or hold a pencil in your hand. Um, and then take them off or put them on in the middle of your audition uh, because it makes you seem more like you're a character hmm. and that you're invested in, you know, like you're actually that person because this person would clearly take their glasses off and put them back on or wipe <laughs> their glasses or whatever. Mm -hmm. I have had multiple teachers tell me that and I see people do it in auditions. Yeah. Is that I, I don't, crazy? I don't personally That's weird, right? subscribe to that. Um, yeah. I, I think that is... If anybody's out there that's heard that same thing, um, tweet at me because I and, know I'm not crazy. And that might work. That yeah. might work. You know, there's there's a whole sort of approach to auditioning where it is sort of superficial and you kind of do these little things to trick the person into believing you. Yeah. And then there's the other approach, which is try and be very authentic and live it and and just have them see it. Right. You know, and, and, and that's sort of the route that I go with. Um, and uh, part of the script analysis program that Scott developed uh called woeframe with his his app the actor's audition app is is designed to make you really feel that authenticity and mm -hmm. and to bring yourself to it and that's kind of what the characters do yeah. and that's why i loved when i started with scott city acting studios it was as a student and i loved that book it really helped Resonated me more than anything yeah. had before 
Honestly, I, I felt the same way about it too. I was like, this makes sense to me. Um, I just think that, I don't know. We actors, we just, we all want to work. We all want to get paid. Yeah. We all want to sure. do, I mean, you, you we want to live the dream. You, I know you want to dabble in acting again yes. and um, continue to do that. Yeah. Uh, how are you planning to do that? What are you, what are your, tell me your plan <laughs> immediately and then I'll judge it harshly. Okay. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs> on um, the spot. I am going to buy a van and I'm going to put posters on the side of it that say, hire me. Hire me. Um, Honestly, it might work. I know. <laughs> It yeah. might work because people are doing whatever they can to be noticed and be seen yeah. nowadays. Well, the, I think the way to do it these days is to become a, a content creator, mm-hmm. um, which is what you're doing um, with this. Mm-hmm. Um, I had talked to you about, oh, I was just now myself thinking I should Let's maybe do a podcast. Do a, yeah. I, I discuss um, at the top of every hour of my class the scene and how to get into it as an actor. And I bring a lot of my own personal stories to it. And my students constantly say, do you do stand up? You're so funny, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, it's not, um, that's not the, the sort of purpose of what I'm doing, but I do in a comedy sense, make it funny. Does it make you want to do stand up? I actually kind of, I do. Is and I don't want to do stand up. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, Cause we did talk about that a little bit. Cause yeah. I've just started, you know, getting back into it. I did it a years ago before Chan was born and I mean, briefly, and now I'm kind of getting back into it, but it's terrifying because yes. your whole life when people tell you, you're so funny, you'd be so great at stand up, And then you do it. And if you fail miserably, it's like, Oh geez. Well, it's that other thing. It's, it's like I was talking about uh, in my class when I'm funny, it's like a sitcom being in syndication. Yeah. When you go to do stand-up, it's like the audience sitting there going, I dare you to make, make me us laugh. laugh. Yeah. yeah. And so it's the what challenge is much greater. Um, and when you're just starting out, you're mostly performing for fellow comedians who don't been doing it and care. give yeah. no fucks about your kid jokes right. or parenting jokes. Yeah, or they see the way the joke <laughs> is playing out already and they yeah, don't. Yeah, they know. And they're they're like, already, they don't laugh. That's a tough audience. It's tough. And and I would love to do stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, Come do it with me sometime then. <laughs> I will Let's go together. I will. Absolutely. I will it. go and bomb with will you. Will you come and bomb with me? The thing about stand up is. Did you just burp like a man? I, I've been, I've been doing it throughout. This. I know. I noticed. That's I know. Really People gross. are going to hear this. Uh, yeah. I, I'll just I, accidentally delete this. <laughs> I'll be back tomorrow. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm drinking a Red Bull. I am. I must have caffeine and I must have it like almost all times throughout the day. So I'm drinking a Red Bull, which gets me a little. Gassy. It gets me a little burpy. Um, I apologize Everyone to those. Everyone don't tune out, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm farting into the cushions of yeah. your chair, too. Speaking no, of, I'm not. Speaking of gassy, I want to talk about your baby. Oh, yes. We have to talk about your baby because you're a new dad. I am. He's six months old so today. Cute. Today? Today. Are, have you guys been posting uh, the, the pictures, the monthly progression yes. pictures? Yes. Like, yeah. We put the little sticker on. Who was that? Was that, that was Chris? your husband oh. and your daughter. Oh, what are they doing? They walked by hurriedly. Oh, somebody has to poop. With very frightened faces. Uh-oh. That were into sort of grimace-like smiles. <laughs> that means somebody pottied. <laughs> I'm betting it's your husband. Oh, I bet um, it's Chris. Chris yeah. pooped his he was. He was holding. Um yeah. Uh, yeah, he's so cute. And all right, and we talked about his name, but we yeah. have to talk about his name again because yes. I, I need everyone to hear the story. Please say the full name of your son. My f- son's full name is Riley Coyote Rago. Yes, Riley Ridiculous, Coyote. Ridiculous, but I love it. It is. It's great. It is. I'll tell you the story again. Um, it's <laughs> fascinating. Um, yeah. So my wife and I were coming up with the first names, and we were both compiling lists. Um, and then, um, and she had much more names at her list, uh, um, because 
she was going through apps and, you know, finding all the popular names and all that. And I was just sort of thinking of names. So she had like 150 names and I had like 12. Um, and like so you that, do. Uh, yeah. And I'm so, surprised you had 12. That's I know, pretty impressive I know. for a dad. Sometimes they're just like, I don't know, Steve. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Uh, name it boy. Um, so we talked about it and it came down to that she really, and I equally liked the name Riley. And um, so I said, okay, you get, you know, you get your name, whatever. And uh, um, she then said, okay, well, you know, it's only fair that then you get the middle name. Right. Well, I sort of feel like middle names are useless. Mm -hmm. You don't know my middle name. I don't know your middle name. Middle names really only distinguish you from the other sort of Heather Brookers or Tony Ragos. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I didn't think there was going to be a hundred Riley Ragos out there. So um, I was like, it's pointless. But okay, she really wanted a middle name. She also said, look, uh, we want to kind of give a creative name to the kid because we are artists in L.A., but oh, we don't, yeah. don't want to give it, you know, we also want to give a normal name because, you know, those who are named Apple yeah, or, or Judge or Pilot, you know, probably hate their name when they get older. Um, maybe, or maybe they're like, feel the need to buck against it and yeah. be like, look what a rebel I am. Right. Or, you know, I don't know. So we thought we'd give a sort of normal name and a, and a crazy name. So Riley was the normal name. <laughs> hopefully <laughs> hopefully um uh and i got the creative middle name i mentioned him earlier my friend kirk dietrich uh posted on my facebook um uh, an article about i live near the la river um uh that gushing trickle of water and uh <laughs> there is and i also live near griffith park and so there's a large sort of wildlife community roaming in this major urban center and they found a, a baby coyote and they tagged it and they're going to follow this, what it's like to see a wild animal live and grow in a urban center. So he sent me this story and said, you should name your kid after the coyote. And in putting that together, it was like Riley Coyote, Riley Coyote. Why didn't we think of this? Well, it sounds like Wild E Coyote. Of you course, know? It, of course it does. Yes. That's what everyone immediately is going, yes. oh. Oh, you named him after a cartoon. Well, <laughs> yes, part of that is I'm a huge fan of the Looney Tunes. You know, yeah. uh, growing up, if it wasn't sitcoms, then it was probably Looney Tunes that I was right. watching. And uh, on DVD, I have all the golden collections, all those things, you know, Um uh-huh. And so um, in trying to come up with names, when my wife was coming up with some of the first names, she would say names like <clears throat> Hunter or Striker or... Striker? I don't know. You know, that sounds like an Slayer. X-Men character. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doom. Um, and, uh, and I said, no, 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 no. We can't name our kid. I said, my son will probably be like me. Not the cool kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm cool. I'm cool in the way Tom Hanks said he was cool, which is I'm not trying to be cool, which is cool. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm not cool. And so uh, I said, we're not going to have a cool kid. We're going to have more of a kid that like bounces into the room and is sarcastic and sits in the back of the classroom, cracking up a couple of people and maybe gets in trouble for <laughs> passing notes. I said, so, you know, rather than name, you know, the soccer star or the valedictorian, let's. Let's try and come up with a name for a cartoonist because that's probably what my kid will be. And Coyote, Ra- Coyote Rago. And so there that's it came. You know, when we, when we had, I love that you're yeah. just sort of putting that out there for your kid. Like, you're not going to be the leader. <laughs> you're not going to be the Stuco president. You're going to be the dick in the back who is like every, a pain in everyone's ass. Well, I think. Poor Riley. The, Tell him to come to Auntie Heather. He can say. He can certainly become the leader. I would I would love for that. And he's a little bit more of a serious kid. You know, his personality is starting to he's come out funny. and all that. 
Channing was really serious at first too. Yeah. And and she got silly. Like yeah. she's so silly now at three. Like yeah. she's like, she'll go, hey mom, hey mom, look at this. <laughs> For no reason. And then just like cross her eyes and look at her nose. And I'm like, you're not even doing anything. Right. Like, please step it up. But it's just funny. They get sillier yeah. Yeah. for sure. Yeah. Or he, some get more serious. I don't know. It, 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 whatever personality he has, mm-hmm. I'm totally open to. I love um, I love that little kid. He's, mm. you know, it, it's difficult it, it, being a parent. Yeah. It takes all of your attention, all, all of, of your, your time. It, um, You feel the highs tremendously, but you also feel the worry and the fear yeah. tremendously. And it's persistent. Um, and Marianne is an actor, too. Yeah. And yeah. you guys, um, how is that going with you struggling, you know, uh, to balance auditions or your creative side? And, you know, I know you said you're not doing a whole lot of auditioning, but still, right. it's industry type things. Yes. So, um, yeah, uh, with the teaching career and with parenthood mm-hmm. um my actor career has sort of taken a back seat um yeah. though i'm still there and trying to do anything and will work for anything um <laughs> i uh and marianne at the same at the same time she is still trying to do uh, anything perform her creativity has sort of been ignited yeah um being with the kid uh, i think it's you know babbling for 12 hours a day uh makes you well, go oh i've got and that's one thing i try to tell people and i, I wrote in that backstage article that right. i did is that you know there's a lot of people out there who are thinking about having kids and they are trying to you know they're worried their career will never be the same and i'm like are you a big star now okay it's probably gonna be about the same yeah um like what are they're worried that you know they'll be just too tired for everything and you are at first you really are yeah. but it also is a big creative boom like yes. motherhood in hollywood was birthed if you will out of my love for my daughter and all the fun we were having and me wanting to still be creative and share stories about her and talk to other creative parents and stuff like that. So I think that if kids are something people are thinking of, it's very doable, especially because acting kind of lends itself to a freelance sort of uh, lifestyle where you can be home more, you know, you childcare is obviously the biggest issue. And that was, oh, that was one thing I, I wanted to ask you about that we talked about in the previous version of this interview was, um, why is it that you don't think a lot of acting studios in LA offer a childcare option? Right. I'm so surprised in all my research and looking around the internet that there's no studios in town that, that offer that. Well, I think that's a brilliant idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I often have people arriving to my class late saying, oh, the babysitter canceled at the Mm -hmm. last minute. Unfortunately, I think it comes down to space. You know, Mm -hmm. um, L.A. still is an urban city, you know, crammed in. And um, and so even at our studio, we have only two studios in the in the building that are almost always filled with either classes or actors coming to coach for auditions just a space type issue then and i mean that's something i didn't even think about because i was like yeah i I just don't know why they don't do this but then every acting class i've been to it it is just one big room yeah you're crammed in there and if they have the space you were then also mentioning how then there's also the legalities of the licensing all of that but i think that's a great idea if you have the space then I encourage people to look just, into the legalities. Yeah, I'm just honestly surprised that no acting teachers have seen the value of the parent actor community. Yeah. Or not that they haven't seen the value of it, but the value of offering this service yeah. to parent actors. Because I think there's a lot of actor parents who would go to more classes, 
who would be more interested, um, even during the day, especially for me during the day, if I could go take a class in the afternoon that I know she could have childcare for a few hours, I would do that in a heartbeat just because I would feel better knowing she's being taken care of. And then I can network with my fellow actors and get, you know, get the acting juices flowing in. It's a big part of the reason why I'm not in a class right now is because it's too hard to figure out childcare. And, you know, I don't know. It's, I know it may not be feasible, but man, I wish it existed. I know. It's yeah. one of those things where I, I, I think it is it. feasible. I just mm. think it's, you know, it have to be the right studio, the right time. Yeah, the right there's space. a lot of hurdles to it. You'd have to kind of go into your new studio knowing, knowing that, that you were going to do that. that. Yeah. I wish you could start like a movement, just start like t- tweeting. Everybody like tweeting at your favorite <laughs> acting teacher. I'm sure they'll love that. Right. <laughs> We could put up a pen in our parking lot, I think. No one would ever let me come into class. They'll be like, this Heather Brooker lady is causing (laughs) some major problems. We do not want to offer childcare. I think also, too, there probably is a thought of this is an at professional acting studio. We are not a daycare service. Yeah. I get that. But it's a certain, like with any business, I feel like it's an added service that you offer. You know, we as a family. Like free Wi-Fi. Yeah. We as a family, (laughs) we joined the Y Mm -hmm. because in part they offer daycare. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that was nice that your Y does that. Yes. That's nice. I know. I know. And we often hand off the kid. If he cries for more than like 10 10 minutes, minutes, they come and they get you. They do that at my gym too. um, But um but it's great. That's, you know, that was the incentive mm-hmm. in a way for us to go there. So why wouldn't an acting studio or anything that a parent yeah. has to do? I know. I just am always now that I'm so ingrained in, in being an actor mom looking for ways to make it a little easier for right. me. Right. For me. It's purely selfish. Have you tried chloroform? That, I have. Uh... Oh, <laughs> heavens. And on that note, um, <laughs> Uh, I do want to tell people really quickly, where can they find you and stalk mm-hmm. you? I know you're not on Twitter, which is still shocking and scandalous to me. Yeah. I want you to go open your Twitter account right now so everyone from Motherhood in Hollywood can find you. We can do it together. We can do it together. Um, you can find me, uh, you know, I'm a Facebook page, Tony Rago. Um, I have a YouTube channel. I think it's under the name uh, Chin Hole. I have a... a- <laughs> I have a huge cleft in my chin, um, and uh, and my son also has the huge cleft in the chin. It. It's it's wonderful. Um, there was no question of paternity. Um, <laughs> Thank God that cleared it up. The chin hole. That's well, you know, they strap those wristbands and ankle bands uh, on everyone when you yeah. give birth, and so every time you know they take the baby or handle the baby, they have to read off the number. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. it's like you're getting a governmental package. They're very precious little yes, packages. but yeah. and and I would always just go look at the chins. I think we can skip the numbers. Oh, um, Riley. But uh, so yeah, you can find me on YouTube. You can find my web series and such like that. It might be under uh, my name as well. And I'll I don't links, search for myself. I'll put links up uh, for everything um, oh, on Motherhood in Hollywood as well. And people can also like Scott Sedita's Facebook yes, page. Yes, Scott Sedita. He's yeah. also on the Twitter, right? Yeah, his uh, his website is scottsedidaacting.com. Um, and so you can always find information about me there as well. Um, I have a... Um, movie uh that i play a uh, very fun role in it's a horror comedy called killer party that's going to be coming uh to video on demand in august nice um that uh some uh friends of mine got together and self-financed and and made on their own and it's that's an incredible podcast story in itself that's fantastic um and um i have a uh um improv company called the cliffhangers they are on 
Twitter. There they you go. are. And they're also on Facebook, too. Yes, Facebook. All of our friends from That's Acme. That's right. Love all those guys. A, a small little group of us who, when we left Acme, decided, oh, we still kind of want to do this, but yeah. very irregularly and poorly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And nailed it. No. <laughs> so we're no, we're three and a half years in now, and we're we're getting uh, successful, mm. you know, sort of repeat audiences and sold That's out houses. Great. We're at the Impro Theater. We have a show tonight. Yes, tonight being can't go when we tape. Not uh, the tonight being when people are listening. When people are listening, right? So, Nobody uh, go there. Right so now. I will tell you now, if you're listening, <laughs> it went great. Um, <laughs> it was a smash success. Uh, uh, we'll yeah. put, well, I'll put all of that information up then. Also on Motherhood and Hollywood too, so yes. everybody can find it there. Totally. Um, you guys can also find me at mih podcast on Twitter and on Facebook and Instagram at Motherhood in Hollywood. Thank you again yes. for coming and doing this interview you again if it doesn't record this time or if i lose the track then just it wasn't meant to be i'll, I'll do it i'll do it live it then, wasn't if meant we'll, to be yeah i know oh god I no, it, it'll work i see it recording right now all right <laughs> thank you again thank you it's a pleasure <laughs> all right and thanks for listening everybody remember i'm not a perfect mom but i can play one on tv have a good day bye Balls.